Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast. Uh, To our weekly Sunday message, I'm Pastor Ken Baer with Faith Dialogue, and we provide uh, two updates, two updates every single week uh, to our video channel called Prophecy Countdown. Now, on Sunday, uh, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be be going chapter by chapter and verse by verse. That's how we typically do things here at church. This week, we'll be in chapter 10, and my message is is entitled or titled Rejection and Persecution. How would you like that? Your pastor is talking to you today about rejection and persecution. What a great opportunity to bring all your friends and all your family, your neighbors, to find out how as disciples of Jesus Christ we are rejected and persecuted. But if you listen to the message, you'll see there's there's some great hope in there as well. Um, the second update we do every single week on our channel is, is more prophecy related. It's typically done on Wednesdays. All of our updates uh, midweek are on, on prophecy. And, and typically what we do is we get questions from our subscribers and our people in the audience, uh, and they have questions for us. And we try to answer these questions because we know if somebody has a question that they send in, most likely there's a number of people as well that have the same question regarding regarding prophecy and end times, uh, what we call eschatology, the the study of the of the end times. Uh, so if you do have a question, you can email it to us. Our email address is prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be glad to try to get to your question. Um, I can also just uh, real quickly email you a response as well. So let's get into our message today. Uh, We'll be in Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 20, and my message today is called Rejected and Persecuted, beginning in verse 11. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. Verse 16, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. Now, we're in chapter 10 of of the Gospel of Matthew. And just before this, uh, Jesus, or Matthew, gives us a list of the 12 that Jesus called. Uh, And he mentions the 12. Uh, He he also mentions the word apostles. You know, typically when Matthew speaks about the apostles, and possibly it's because he's one of the apostles. Matthew was a tax collector that was called by Jesus. In fact, he was one of the last apostles to be called by Jesus, to be part of this 12. Uh, Typically, Matthew refers 
refers to them as the 12. He only refers to them as apostles once, and that's here in, in chapter 10. Now, Jesus sends out the 12, and he gives them their marching orders. They're to go, be, to go and be totally dependent on God totally dependent on God. Uh, and that's the Holy Spirit that will be guiding them as they go out and proclaim the, the gospel, the, the message of the kingdom of God. Uh, this is a great place to start because one of the things that we see here in the New Testament um, is, is that the disciples that are chosen uh, didn't choose a career. This is not a career path for, for the apostles. And it's, and it's a good reminder for us, especially for those that, that are looking to, uh, to do, um, uh, get their W-2, get their payroll, get their paycheck from a church or a ministry, whether that's as a, as a pastor, I've been a pastor for 23 years, or a worship leader, or a, a children's director, or, or whatever it is in the church. We have to understand that typically, especially these apostles, you didn't choose to uh, follow Jesus and become a disciple, become an apostle as a career choice. Actually, it's what's called a vocation. Now, now, we don't use that word very often. The word vocation is, unfortunately, uh, an old English word. And the idea is a, is a vocation. But the vocation is, is a great word because vocation has more to do with passion than career. It has more to do with, uh, with the purpose in your life rather than your, your paycheck. Uh, when it comes to following Jesus, if God is calling you to follow him in a particular way, um, uh, that's a that's a vocation that's a vocation whether you're paid or not paid it doesn't make any difference it's a it's a vocation you know there's an old saying uh, do in fact I think there's a country song that mentions it as well do what you love and you'll never work a, a day in your life do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and and that's really true isn't it I mean I've had jobs that have been uh, less than satisfying uh, but I did the job because I, I needed a paycheck uh, but I can tell you that, uh, that when you're doing something you truly love, you know, whether that's working with your hands or, or uh, working in a hospital or, you know, you can, you can be a financial analyst or an accountant. And if you really love the job, uh, you're really not having to work a day in your life. So uh, it was definitely true for these, uh, these 12 uh, disciples, what we call the apostles. They, they loved Jesus and they were called by God. They obeyed and they went into the towns, the villages, the, uh, the byways all over uh, Judea and, and Galilee. This was their calling. This was their vocation. And they did as they were told. Now, we too have a, a vocation and that vocation is to to follow God and to be salt and light this is what Jesus said you are salt and you are light you are uh, you are to be a, a difference maker we're in this world but we're not of this world we are to be uniquely different uh, now that's completely different than people that are following just career choices you know career choices are about personal success and financial stability and professional advancement but that's not what these apostles were after uh, they were after following God they 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 felt a passion to be able to embrace the message of Jesus and to be so close to him that he called them to be his 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 twelve uh, Jesus says just before this, for example, in chapter, uh, chapter 10, verses 8, and t 8 through 10, the verses just immediately preceding the verses that I started with today. 
Jesus says, freely you receive, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. You know, Jesus basically says, just go. Uh, you know, don't, don't take a bag with you. Uh, God will provide for you uh, along the way. And I love listening to, to missionaries sometimes tell the stories of, of their mission trips where even though they were prepared, you know, they don't typically, you don't get in a plate and go to Africa or go to some third, third world country someplace uh, completely unprepared. But as prepared as these missionaries are, they find themselves in a situation where uh, God has to show up. There has to be a, an opportunity for God to be able to provide for them because like these apostles, they don't have two sandals or staffs. Um, they know that the worker is, is worthy of his, of his food. So, you know, I have to admit that for my own personal calling as, as a pastor, uh, it's, it's really my, my wife uh, she's the partner in this, this relationship, this, this, this uh, uh, pastoral ministry that we have. My, my wife has been my rock on that, and she's the one uh, that reminds me from time to time that it's never, our calling has never been about money. It's never been about getting a nicer place to live or having a nicer car. I had quite, a, I had a nice job before I got into ministry, uh, and I and I don't, uh, you know, I don't begrudge that at all. I, I enjoyed uh, having a nice job and having a and having a, a nice paycheck, uh, but I don't begrudge it at all. God has always provided uh, provided for us in ministry. I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an example. We, uh, but it was my wife. That's that's the one that had reminded me sometimes of that. I was, uh, we were sitting at a table. Uh, this was a selection committee. This was the people that were going to make the decision, and they were offering me a pastoral position in, in a church. And I was, I was going to be the lead pastor. I was, I was very excited about it. Um, but when they told me what the financial arrangement was, what my salary was going to be, and quite frankly, I was taken back. Uh, it wasn't because I thought I deserved more, it's because I was expecting more, that's all. I just, I kind of knew the size of the church and I kind of knew what pastors uh, typically were paid, even in a church of that size, and, and it was considerably less. But m my wife had no issues with it at all. Uh, she knew immediately that God had, would always provide, that we could always live on the income and the, the funds that were provided. And God had provided. I mean, God was amazing. God provided. We didn't lack for anything. I never missed a meal. Oh my goodness, never. Um, so sometimes we need to remind ourselves that this is not about career. This is not about financial enlargement. Um, this is a ministry is a calling. Ministry always has been a call. It always involves aligning your skills, your talents, and your passions to be able to make them useful uh, for God. That's one of the reasons why I like the parable of the talents. I, I love the word talent because in the old English, it had to do uh, with money. But in modern day English, in the New King James and the NIV, they still use the word talent. And of course, we think of our, of our talents, all of the things that God has e equipped us for. Let's take a look at our scripture again today. Jesus says this. He says, verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as, as doves. You know, Jesus is the, is the good shepherd. And he's training us, he's training us as, as ministry leaders to be, to be under shepherds. But here he says that we're sheep. We're sheep in the midst of wolves. You know, regardless of who you are and how long you've been serving God, and regardless of your, your training, Jesus is reminding us that we are still sheep 
and there are wolves out there. And why is that? Well, because quite frankly, Jesus tells us that if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, we're to be servants of all. And here's the thing I've found uh, in, in being a servant and trying to model my life after Jesus is that if you are, are, are trying to be a servant of all, you will be treated as a, as a servant. You'll be treated as a servant. And often I found that if you're being treated as a servant, sometimes they will treat you more like the sheep rather than the shepherd. I think this is a, a great lesson. This is a great lesson that, that Jesus is teaching us in our scripture today. Um, Jesus says that we are to be wise, wise as serpents and harmless as dove. You know, wisdom enables a person that's chosen to, to follow Jesus, uh, the, the, the ways to be able to navigate that in a world that is often hostile. Did you know that? Did you know that our world is often hostile towards the gospel? The Bible says that the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ is an offense. And because it's an offense, we have to be wise as servants and, and as harmless as doves. You know, wisdom also gives us the ability to choose to whom we minister. And that's part of this passage as well. In verse 13, this is what it says. Jesus says, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. You know, Jesus uses this word worthy, and I think we have to understand what he means by that. He does not mean worthy in the fact that they are financially well off or that they are already religious or that they're not sinners at all. They're, they're the ones that are sitting in the front uh, pews of the synagogue. No, not at all. Uh, what worthy means here is that they're receptive to the gospel. By receptive to the gospel means that you have a heart that it's receptive. You have eyes that can see, you have ears that can hear. This is what, the, what it means to be worthy. Uh, we are worthy when the Lord opens our hearts uh, to be able to receive what the gospel is. And, but what it says is, if they'll not receive the kingdom, the, the message of the kingdom, the apostles are told to depart and actually shake the dust off from their feet. And, and again, this is, this is an understanding that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be uh, following Jesus in a world that is typically hostile to the gospel. And our message today is being rejected and persecuted. You will be rejected. And it's just part and parcel of being a Christian is to understand that there are going to be times that, that you're rejected. It could come from your family. It could come uh, from your immediate family, maybe even your brothers and sisters or your, or your, your parents. Uh, it may come from your neighbors. It may come from friends that you've had for, for a number of years. Uh, but the closer you get to Jesus, the more often you are going to be found to be offensive because you carry the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the, the power of God. And again, it goes back to this idea about being worthy. Um, if they're unworthy, then the, the message of the cross is foolishness. If they are worthy, the message of the cross brings them to repentance. It brings them to faith. It brings them to salvation. To others, it's foolishness. And they'll reject the message and they will, quite frankly, reject you. Let's go on. Verse 17. Jesus says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up in synagogues and scourge you uh, uh, in their synagogues. 
uh, you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the and to the Gentiles. Now, Jesus actually gives the very same message about persecution and how some will receive his uh, disciples a number of times, including this example in John chapter 15. Jesus says, if the world hates you, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Remember I said that we are in the world, but we're not of it. Jesus says that is why the world hates you. Verse 20 in John 15 says, Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And again, my message today is rejected and persecution. Now, quite frankly, here in America... <laughs> As Christians, we talk about persecution and how we're being persecuted, but let me tell you, uh, we talk about persecution, but for the most part, we live in one of the most wonderful places for the gospel to be preached in the entire world. We have a thing called the First Amendment, and it enables us to have beautiful churches, it enables us to have radio stations and colleges, and to be able to pass out pamphlets, and to be have, have Bibles in our houses, and to be able to hand out Bibles. Uh, we do not have persecution, not that kind of persecution here. However, uh, in the world, there is a tremendous amount of persecution. In fact, uh, the people that know these things know that there's actually much more persecution going on today uh, than ever before. Christianity, by far, is the most um, uh, is the world's most persecuted religion. And I'll, and I'll just quote some information here by, from Open Doors USA. Open Doors USA is a great ministry and they deal with persecution around the world and how to, how to help brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. So for example, they, according to their figures, there's 360 million Christians last year that lived in countries where persecution was significant. That's about the size of the population of the United States. 360 million people. Roughly 5,600 Christians were murdered. They were martyred for their faith. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned. 4,000 plus were kidnapped. More than 5,000 churches were destroyed. And we've seen this on YouTube and sometimes you see it on the news as well where where a, a group will go into a church. We've, we see this in Nigeria and Egypt. We've seen it in Somalia as well. Uh, churches will be just completely burned to the ground and sometimes the people are still in the church. So again, Americans talk about uh, Christian persecution, but around the world we, we see it. So for example, according to, again, Open Doors USA, uh, the number one country when it comes to persecution is Afghanistan. Isn't that unfortunate? Afghanistan, where tens of thousands, and I don't even know what the count is, but uh, Americans, our brothers and sisters from America, went over to Afghanistan and liberated that country and fought in that country, and then it all came crashing down. Um, the Biden administration pulled out all American support troops and the Taliban took over again in that country. And as a result, it's, it's, a, it's the number one place for persecution against Christians. The risk of discovery uh, for Christians and America former allies uh, has increased with the Taliban control of, of all of the media and all of the information uh, in the country of Afghanistan. Uh, the number two country on the list uh, of the worst persecution uh, for Christians is North Korea. Uh, it's usually in the news. North Korea is in the news because of their, their, their crazy uh, uh, president, uh, uh, who, who thinks he's a king, 
um, and because of their nuclear weapons. But actually, uh, one of the things that we see there is by following Jesus in North Korea is a very, very dangerous, dangerous uh, uh, path to take. Any North Korean caught following Jesus is at immediate risk of imprisonment, brutal torture, and death, according to Open Doors. Number three on the list is, is Somalia. Somalia, which three decades ago disintegrated to a civil war that's, that hasn't, hasn't recovered at all from it. It's a very, very poor place. Uh, there's nothing more than tribal gangs that are running the place. The one thing they have in common is they all are allies with Al-Qaeda, and uh, Christians are viewed as high-value targets in Somalia for kidnapping, for rape, for torture and for murder. Uh, the next one, according to the list, is Libya, which suffered from a decade of intermittent civil war. In 2015, for example, you can probably remember, uh, there was the beheading uh, on the news, on YouTube channels, of 21 uh, Egyptian Coptics. These were Coptic Christians. Um, one of the other states that we see a lot uh, when, it, when it talks about Christian persecution is Nigeria. Nigeria is one of those countries that the northern part is all um, Islamic and the southern part is very Christian, very, very solid Christian. And right on that border, there is a constant, constant threat uh, of Christians, Christian churches being attacked, being burned. Christians in the northern part of Nigeria are subject to attack as well. Now, here's the thing. Uh, as, as Christians here in the United States, we can help. We can, we can pray. That's probably the very first thing we can do is pray. But there are organizations uh, that will help them, like Open Doors, like uh, uh, the, the Martyrs. There's a number of different... Uh, uh, Blood of the Martyrs is another organization that, that will help um, Christians in these foreign lands to try to alleviate some of the persecution, get them out of harm's way. But pray. My friends, pray first and last. I mean, prayer is the thing that, uh, that helps the most. This is, this is the Holy Spirit going and guiding and giving uh, Christians wisdom uh, in areas where they are troubled in order to be able to not only preserve their life, but to also to spread the gospel. You know, it's actually, did you know, it's, it's when your faith is tested. It's, uh, we, we could use a little bit of persecution because when your faith is tested, that's when your faith is made strong. The Holy Spirit is with you when you face persecution in, in a very real way. Um, Jesus says this, and this is our, our concluding verse for today. He says, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For you, it will be given to you what in that hour you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit who speaks in you. What a wonderful way to close this message, to understand that we face rejection and persecution, but it's when we face rejection and persecution that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and not only gives us wisdom, but will actually speak for us. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I can, I can only count on my, my hand maybe two or three times that I really remember uh, in, a, in a situation where I, I, I felt like I was speaking, but I, I, was, I didn't even know where I was going. It was obvious that I was being, I felt I was being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and that comes upon us, especially uh, when we are rejected and when we face persecution. So my brothers and sisters, I want you just to encourage you with these three words. Pray, pray, pray. You know, you wanna have the courage 
to be able to speak the truth of the gospel in love, to share the gospel with your friends and your neighbors. You, you know, if you, you've been given a tremendous gift and Jesus says we are to be salt and light. And that means that we're not to, uh, we're not to be offensive, uh, intentionally offensive, uh, but at the same time, we are, the, be, we are to be there to share the gospel with others. I mean, think about how, how you came to Christ. It's because somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody had that courage to be able to share the gospel. So um, there are people around the world that are not only living their faith, but they are prepared to die for their faith. Here in America, uh, we, we rarely, if ever, um, have that, uh, that, that choice or faced, faced with that choice uh, to live or to die. But there are people around the world that, that are. So that's why I say, uh, pray, pray, and pray. And I'm going to close with prayer as well. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, uh, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity uh, to be able to share the gospel, to be able to be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, at the end, I want to remind you uh, uh, that we are an evangelical church, a 501c3 ministry. Uh, we'd like to encourage you to, to share uh, this video, to subscribe, to be able to like the video, to tell other people about our, our ministry. Uh, that's how one way that you can share the gospel as well. God bless. Until next time. Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation. Available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today. Thank you for joining us on Prophecy Countdown with Pastor Ken Baer. Don't leave without first sharing the latest episode with your friends. Be sure to join us again for the latest updates on Prophecy Countdown.